we are so blessed to have so many different ministries that's going on in the body of Christ. And before I preach this morning, I just want to uh, let the congregation know that the pastor is really pushing this event, that I'm behind this event, that I believe in the event. Not only do I believe in the event, I believe in the people that are over it. Over it. This Saturday from 11 to 3, right here at our church on the parking lot, as we already seen on the tape, uh, Dan and Cassie King, who's over our recovery ministry, is going to be having an event. And let me tell you, that is a unique ministry. If you do not know the passion of them two individuals, you need to get to know them, number one. But number two is that we are literally, I am so tired of reading in the papers about the death of young men and women over drugs. I am so tired to see the addictions that's robbing people of life, robbing families of life, robbing our community of life. That's causing drugs and is linked to crime. It's linked to sexual abuse because people get out of their heads. They do things. They get desperate that they normally would not do. They're bound by addiction. They're bound and enslaved. And Cassie and, and Dan King are making a difference right here in our recovery uh, uh, ministry. Every Monday night, they deal with that kind of a, a, a substance abuse and they're just growing by leaps and bounds and I just believe that our church is going to be just filled with those kinds of people delivered in the power of Jesus Christ making great leaders and disciples for the Lord. I believe that our church will be built that. They need your support. These people, as they come out and we're celebrating their lives, we're celebrating the, the recovery ministry. There's a lot of things that's going to be going on. We need to be rubbing shoulders and let them know that the church has got their back. Folks, please come out. If it's just for an hour, if it's just for 30 minutes, whatever you can, come walk through the crowd, shake people's hands, tell them you love them, tell them you're backing them. Let them know that we're here as a body. That it, can let Cassie and Dan know that they're not by themselves. They're a part of this body. They're a part of our family and we are behind them 100%. Also this week, I want you to be in prayer for Rhonda Burden. She's one of our own ministers. Uh, she's in El Salvador doing mission work. She arrived there last night or yesterday morning. She'll be there with Sister Janice Watkins, one of the missionaries that we support. And they're going to be going into doing some uh, missionary work. And some of it are very dangerous work. And so we want to put a prayer covering over them as well and her safe travel back. She's a value uh, to the body of Christ. She's a value to our church. And we sure want Sister Rhonda back with us safe and sound. And we want her to be productive wherever she's at. So this week, be praying for for Rhonda Burden and Sister Watkins. Hallelujah. You'll have to forgive me. I've got a cold and my chest is uh, tightened and my head, uh, I sound like I'm in a barrel or at least that's the way it sounds to me. My voice is very weak and I've been coughing and carrying on. So just give, give me a little prayer yourself this morning as we try to get through this service. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 15. We're going to be reading those passages of Scripture <clears throat> And as we do, we're going to be talking about them just a little bit. But I tell you what, I'm very burdened about something in my spirit. I am burdened about the fact that we Pentecostals across America is losing the effect of the power of the Holy Spirit because we're watering down the gospel. And there are so many people that are no longer interested in seeking for the Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you that will not be a statistic to the Palace of Praise. I believe that. Amen? Are you, are you awake out there today? And we're going to be talking a little bit. This. Second Kings, if you'd stand for the reading of the word, chapter 2, verse 1 through 15. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. 
And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came from forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord be taken away thy master from thy head today? He said, Yeah, I know. Hold your peace. Go to verse 4. And Elijah said unto him, uh, and Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry ye here, and I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord, I think they jumped the gun on me, as the Lord liveth and as the Lord, if thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, and they said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. Verse 6, and Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah and Elisha asked, What shall I do for thee? Behold, I'll be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. <clears throat> and, Elisha said, and Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him. He smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Father, we thank you this morning for the word of the Lord that is going to be going forth. We pray for strength of body. We pray that, God, that you would help me to deliver with anointing and power and authority. We pray that the Holy Spirit will open the ears of every man and woman, boy and girl in this building, and that they would receive what, God, you want them to receive. Let the manifold blessings of God rest upon all your people, and let us all be receiving the double portion of thy spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not going to try to make this long and difficult. I got a series on this passage of scripture, and I don't want to try to uncover everything due to time and it being a holiday weekend. I am conscious of your time, but it's going to be one of the simplest messages that I've ever preached this morning because that's what the Lord has laid in my heart. He's not letting me go into the depth of the scripture to bring it out. It's just simple. Sometimes I think we look to the deep things of God and we don't understand that there's power in simplicity. There's nothing more simple than John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes than him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, that is the core. That is the central theme. That is the golden text of the Bible. And there's nothing more simple to tell you that Jesus loves you and he can save because he died for your sins. Amen? 
That's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to let it be simple this morning. Here in our text, we see one of the greatest events of the entire Old Testament that was about to take place. It was about to unfold right before the eyes of the people. Either through the revelation of God to the prophets or by the, uh, the word of mouth, the news was spread that the prophet Elijah was soon to leave this world. That Elijah was checking out. And it was all over the place. It had became a fame. The prophets all over the place had known it. The people of the city had known it that this great prophet Elijah was about to leave. This was not to be a secret exit. It wasn't to be a secret event, but he would be taken away in plain view of everyone to actually see that was willing to pay the price and to go where he would be taken away. Wouldn't that have been a great thing to see, to sit there and watch Elijah be carried away in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire come down and all of that kind of an event that took place? I've dissected that in other sermons, but I want to tell you, that would have been a glorious thing to see with your physical eyes. It is here that we see that he isn't leaving by death, but he's actually leaving by translation. He is the only one of two men that we see recorded in the whole word of God that left this world without dying. As a matter of fact, there was only two. There was Elijah and there was Enoch. Elijah was what we call the elder prophet who was the one that had a school and he was over all of the other prophets and he would train them for the ministry. He had several people under him. There were hundreds and hundreds of different prophets that went through that school every year and this great elder prophet would teach them the things of the Spirit of God. And he was very close to one of the younger prophets by the name of Elisha, which traveled with him and, and that was underneath him and being trained by him. And it is here that we see the old prophet Elijah asking the young prophet Elisha if there was anything that he could do for him because he was fixing to be leaving out of this world. He was fixing to be checking out. It is here that the younger student Elisha asked something very, very strange. It has never been asked before in the Old Testament. It has never been seen by any other prophet. This desire was never even ever tapped into by anybody else. But Elisha asked something very strange. Look at verse 9. He says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Elijah responds to that request of this young prophet Elisha. And listen to what he says. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. In other words, he's saying, if you want this double portion, if you really want it, then you've got to be with me when I'm taken away. You've got to be at the right place at the right time. You've got to be positioning yourself in order to be able to receive this double portion. And he says, if you're there, you're going to have the double portion that you desire. But if you're not, if you do not see me go, you're not going to have it. The double portion is speaking of the in the inheritance that would be given to the eldest son after one would die according to Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 17. The people of that day would give a double portion to the elder or the older son of what they gave to the rest of the children. In other words, the oldest son would get double of what all of the other sons would get. The daughters would not get anything, but the sons that would get the portion of the father's inheritance. If a young child would get $50, that means the elder son got $100. If, if one guy got 40 acres, the youngest one, that meant that the eldest son got 80 acres. Everything that the youngers got, the elder got a double portion. But the, Elisha was not asking for the double portion blessing of Elijah's earthly possessions. But he asked for something totally strange, totally, uh, totally off the cuff. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He specifically asked that a double portion of the spirit that rested upon this great prophet Elijah would be given unto him. What a request. Elijah did 
not want an earthly inheritance, but he wanted a spiritual inheritance. And I'd like to preach right there for just a little while, but I can't because of time. But I want you to know, folks, there is nothing more important than your spiritual heritage. Your spiritual heritage must must oversee your life more than your earthly possessions. Can I have an amen? You know, one of the number one things that choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful according to Jesus' own teaching is the cares of life. That people just chase earthly things. A man by the name of Esau traded his birthright for nothing but a bowl of bean soup. And yet we look at that and think, what in the world would he do that for? And yet Americans are doing it all the time because the possessions of this world, if you're not careful, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And this man did not want the earthly treasure to to over overshadow his spiritual, but he wanted his spiritual to be the one that would actually be in charge of his life. And you and I are going to have to have that same kind of desire if we're going to make it in this life. Elisha somehow believed also in the transferring of anointing. How many still believes in the anointing with oil? How many still believes laying on of hands? Absolutely. Elisha, he believed of the transferring of anointing. He said, whatever's on that man, I want a double portion. I want what he has to be transferred over to me, but when it hits me, I want a double dose of it. I want a double dose of what that great prophet had. He wanted double, absolutely double of what Elijah had. And this, of course, speaks of the double portion or what we refer to in Pentecost. In the old days, they called it the second blessing, but in nowadays, we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's represented in the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. So what this is referring to and symbolic of is the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon us as New Testament believers, that there's a double portion of the Spirit of God that God wants to give to every believer. This is where our our elder brother, our elder prophet, Jesus Christ, has left us and being resurrected and ascended, ascended and sits on the right hand of the Father to make intercessory for us. And he said to his followers at his ascension, which was his disciples, which was training underneath him, just like Elijah, Elisha was training under Elijah, even so Jesus' disciples were training under him. And even though Elijah was leaving, Jesus was leaving also. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. He said, and being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. And then we know that after he spoke these things, according to the book of Acts chapter one, verse nine, that after when he had spoke these things while they beheld him, he was taken up and a cloud received them out of his sight. This is why that Jesus said in John 16 and seven, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, that comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, that comforter being the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I leave, I'm gonna pray to the Father. He's gonna send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Jesus says, it's expedient, it's necessary that I go away, because if I don't go away, that comforter, that Holy Ghost cannot come. And as I begin to think about this story, I come to realize in Scripture, and I've known it, I've known this, of course, my whole ministry, and that is that God wants to give every man in this building and every woman in this building, every child in this building, a double portion of his spirit. How many believe that? God wants to give every single individual in this building a double portion of his Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus had to depart so that the Holy Spirit would be given to us. We all know that Elisha, in this story, receives the double portion of God. We know that. We read that. We 
seen that. When he got Elijah's mantle, he departed to split the waters. Man, there's some preaching there I'm so tempted to get into. But even though, how many, now I want to tell you something. Everybody wants power with God. Everybody wants influence. Everybody wants to be in the spirit. Everybody wants to have the thrill and the experience. But I want to tell you, there is a cost and there is a weight about the mantle of God that comes upon the people. And that's a different message altogether. But Elijah was willing to carry that, that mantle. He was willing to carry the weight of God's glory. And he took the mantle and he split the waters just like Elijah. That, that, that sounds like, oh, great stuff. But I want to tell you, there's a cost to have the anointing of God upon your life. And Elisha, we see, had the double portion. And the Bible says that he done exactly double the amount of miracles that his leader Elijah done. Matter of fact, throughout the life of Elisha, we see that literally the, that he done double the miracles. The last miracle that happened in Elijah's life when he was dead. They threw a dead man upon his bones and when they touched the bones of Elisha, the man came alive. You're talking about anointing, folks. That's anointing. Go bury somebody in the grave and let them stay there until they rot and decay and all that's left is bones. And as they're digging, they dig up the bones of Elisha and they throw a man on top of his bones and bam, the man gets up and starts walking. That was one of the last miracles that was performed Elisha, which was actually double of what Elijah done. But our Lord Jesus Christ said this about the Holy Spirit in the modern day times that you and I live in. He said in John 14 and 12, he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me in the works that I do, greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. That same anointing that rested upon Elisha, I want you to know that same anointing that rested upon him can rest upon us. Let me even say it in a greater way, in a greater measure, because Jesus Christ had the spirit without measure to him according to the book of Matthew and the Bible literally tells me that what Jesus done we can do also that same anointing that lied upon Jesus Christ can lie upon us today that same power that Jesus had you and I can have as a New Testament church the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that is to represent him that's why that Paul says that we are not to have just a form of godliness but and deny the power thereof he said from such turn away but the church is to be endued with power clothed with power of the Holy Spirit. How many believes that? You and I have a work to do and we cannot do it without the unction and the breath of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to give this double portion of his spirit to the children, his children in this 21st century, his church in this 21st century, just like he did to the believers on the day of Pentecost. I'm ready for some rattling to take place. I'm ready for some shakening to take place. We are in the manifestation spirit and I'm ready to see the book of Acts unfold right before our eyes, right here in this church. I'm ready to see the day of Pentecost come back to the Pentecostal church and let the church of Jesus Christ rise up with great authority and power and gain her influence back. I'm ready for that. Hallelujah. Man, I'm about to preach. I'm wanting to chase them rabbits. You pray for me because there's rabbits going everywhere in my mind right now, all kinds of them. And I don't know which one to chase right now. But this old hound dog is going to have his nose to the trail and we're going to find our way through the will of God in this sermon. I believe with all, without a shadow of a doubt that God is about to have new breath given to the church. I believe that in this last day you're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like you have never seen before. But in order for us to see it, we have got to be in the place and we've got to be in the position and we've got to allow ourselves to be conditioned to what God has got to give to us. If we don't, we'll miss it just like Elisha would have. Are you ready for this? We've got to be ready. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. That was weak. Say, I'm ready. ready. Now say, I'm ready, 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 ready. 
Hey, amen. Now we're getting somewhere. Just as Elisha received a double portion from his elder prophet Elijah, even so the church can receive a double portion of our elder brother, Jesus Christ. I want you to know the lesson of our text is that the double portion is a gift available to every child of God that wants it. But even though it is a gift, yet there are some things that you and I have to do. We have to lay claim a hold of it. We have to take it. Even though it is ours by the right of inheritance, we still have to claim it. We still have to lay hold of the promise that God has given us. Just like in the days of Elijah, the free gift was not to be hidden, but it was to be seen and accepted by all the believers around them. This wasn't to be a secret. It was not just for Elisha, even though he was the only one that prayed it. It is so odd how that there are so many people in question of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have never seen so many churches that are void of the Holy Spirit because they simply don't teach it. They don't even get into studying it because they say they don't understand it. There are Pentecostal churches, even as I speak right now, that just say, you know, preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation of the church, it's just not worth the headache. Headache? What are you talking about? Without the gifts of the Spirit and without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. I want you to know we need the breath of God one more time to breathe upon the church and bring it to spiritual vitality and bring it to life once again to where the Spirit is operating the church without reservation and without being ashamed, the church of Jesus Christ needs to embrace those gifts, seek earnestly after the best gifts, and let prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues and gift of wisdom and gift of knowledge and the working of miracles and the gift of faith and all of those nine gifts to operate freely in the church. For I stand here today unapologetically to say I am Pentecostal. I believe in those gifts. I believe they're for the church of today. I don't believe they're just for the elders or for the deacon or for the preacher. They're for every single one of you in this building and that God wants to breathe those gifts upon you. They're a free gift of God. It is your inheritance and by rightful claim, you are to walk into the throne room of God and grab a hold of them and say they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. I will not be denied and I will not leave your side until I receive that which God you have for me. Stand to your feet and give God praise if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This wasn't to be a secret thing. There was to be an open manifestation of it. I want to tell you something, folks. This thing of the Spirit needs to openly manifest itself among us and without us being ashamed or somehow trying to explain it away or trying to soften it around people that want to reject it. It is what it is, and we are who we are. Let's stand up and be what God's called us to be. I'm tired of Pentecostals saying, well, you know, you got to just don't, when, you know, when something happens, well, just don't, don't pay no attention. What do you mean don't tell? Look at it, observe it. There's life in it. There's power in it. There's authority in it. God blesses his church in weird ways, and it's for a purpose, and that's to bring about the glory of his Father's presence into this place that he might be recognized to who he is, and he can be glorified through our lives. Oh, my, I'm not going to finish this sermon. I can see that already. But there are so many that don't understand the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't see it revealed. They don't see the revealed truth of it. 
Their eyes are blinded from it. It's like they can't see it. And there's so much confusion on the Holy Spirit today that people want to avoid it. People want to withdraw from it. They want to stand off from it. And I want to tell you, folks, it's not a time to run away from the Holy Spirit. It's a time to run to the Holy Spirit. With the things that's going on in our world today, I want to tell you right now as I speak, there is such darkness in our government. There's such darkness in our land that we need a divine enlightener to come, a comforter to come, a paraclete to come, one alongside to help us. We need that old-fashioned anointing to come down and crush and break down the strongholds that's holding our people captive. There's nothing going to help the drug users and the alcohol users and the people that are bound and enslaved by vices and, and by addictions or anything else unless we as a church are full of the Holy Spirit and power that when they come in, they come encounter with a risen Christ that's still alive and well and his power and his authority is seen in the church. We need that authority. Can I have an amen? There's some that just cannot comprehend or come to the understanding, the teaching of the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it's necessary. It's expedient that I go away. Because if I don't go away, that comforter can't come. And yet we read all through the New Testament where God will open the mysteries of his word to those who will knock, seek, and ask. How many believe if you ask, you'll still receive? If you seek, you'll still find. If you knock, it shall be open unto you. He will reveal the secret to those who will determinedly seek after his will, and he will give great blessings to all who will ask him for that spirit that God was so freely wanting to give to us. He will reveal to us the deep things of God by his spirit. Matter of fact, it was Paul that said, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man the things that God's got prepared for them that love him. But God has showed them to us by his spirit. How many believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you or I will ask or even think by the power of the spirit that lies within us through the power of the Holy Spirit? Zerubbabel said, it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the scripture, he does nothing until he shows it to his prophets first. The thing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't a mystery. It isn't a hard thing. It is simple if we would just grab a hold of it. So many times things are not received or experienced or revealed all because they're not accepted or seen or they're not understood. And I want to try to make you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit for every believer here today. I've even heard people say, well, that's for them but not for us. That's so uncontrary to the scripture. God never leaves anybody out. God don't have children and then he has a segment of orphans. You are not an orphan. I want you to know you are a child of God, blood bought, blood bought, and the right of every one of us has the right to the same inheritance. Can I have an amen? There is no little eyes and big U's in the kingdom of God. We're all on equal ground at Calvary. And when you come into this place, the very promises that God's given to me, the very promises he's given to you, and the promises he's given to you, he's given to me. Everything God wants to do in my life, he wants to do in your life. And everything he wants to do in your life, he wants to do in my life. We are equal because we sing the same Father who is without partiality. Every single one of us can have the same thing. We are all made to drink of the same spiritual drink. Oh, God, help me to preach. Uh, we're going to be here a while if I don't hurry up and get on my notes here. But this thing of Elijah being transformed wasn't nothing to be a secret. Elijah even told Elisha that if you see me go, you can have what you have asked of me. Elijah had insight of what was to come. And I want to tell you, this wasn't to be just for a certain few, but all that wanted it, all these other prophets could have had what Elisha was about to receive. And Elisha knew that it was to come by the way of the departure of Elijah. Even so, the gift of the Holy Spirit is to be given to us according to the words of Jesus Christ himself at his own departure. Has Jesus departed? Has Jesus went and ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father? How many say yes to that? 
then I want you to know the Holy Spirit is here. Because he said, when I depart, I'm going to send him to you. Is he a liar? No. Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to the church to enable the church to be all that it's supposed to be. He is a representation of who Jesus is. The question isn't, is the double portion for me? The question is, how much do we want it? It isn't whether or not it's here, available and receivable. The question is, do you really want it? As a believer, do you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Are you going to be Pentecostal only by name? Or are you going to be Pentecostal by experience? We are living in a time when the name is not going to cut the mustard, folks. It don't matter what we have written over our door. It's what we have possessed on the inside of that door. You and I have got to come under the umbrella of the Lordship, surrendering ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to where he enables us and empowers us by his bold indwelling in our lives, to where we manifest the works of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, y'all are sitting there looking at me like you're dead. I want to tell you, God's fixing to liven you up because the presence of the Holy Spirit sweeping through this building right now. If you look at Elisha and the rest of the members of the school of the prophets, you will see two distinct different types of people. You will see those that are satisfied and just want to follow the level of training that they have received. They don't want to, they don't want to be challenged. They just want to be kind of left alone. We got enough scripture. We got enough religion. We got enough doctrine that we can get by with. This is where we want to stay. We want to stay right here on this plateau. I want to tell you one of the hardest things to do is to stretch beyond the, the realm of comfortability. There are times when we get saved and we're so eager to grow and we'll learn so much of the scripture and before long we take pride in what we've learned. We become indoctrinated in scripture. We can talk about the scripture. We know all about the scripture, but the problem of it is we get satisfied and I want to tell you, we think we've come to the, 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 the realm of perfection and we end up sitting there in the same old state for 30 solid years and we don't receive anything beyond that. I want to tell you, every single day ought to be a growing day. Every single day ought to be a maturing day. I want to tell you, you can't stay in the same stage that you've been in all of your life. There comes a day you got to be challenged and let the Holy Spirit begin to bring some revealed truth into your life to take you into the realms of mystery, into the realms of the unknown to where God can literally inspire you, that he can literally have revelation come to you, that inspiration can flood your life to where you can rise up under a new mercy and a new anointing every single day to bring about productivity to the kingdom of God that God wants to do something marvelous in our midst. Now, you will see that those that were satisfied, they didn't want to be challenged. They followed him before all. And then you will see Elijah, or Elisha, that he went to, he, he excelled, and he received the double portion blessing, or the double portion because he wanted to do extraordinary things. He wasn't satisfied with the status quo. He wanted to succeed. He wanted to be successful. He wanted to be productive. He wanted to be fruitful. He did not want just to lean on the learning that he had been schooled with under the prophet Elijah. Elisha was actually claiming the right of the firstborn, which was the claim to Elijah's estate, to to his money, to his land. And Elijah we had come under some, uh, some finances. He was not a, a poor man by any stretch of the means. And here was Elisha going to be able to be the right to his secession of that estate. Whatever Elijah had was included in his inheritance. However, Elisha wasn't concerned with the earthly possessions of Elijah. He wasn't concerned with houses, lands, wealth, money, or anything else. He did not want to inherit the school. That was the thing. He didn't want that kind of a burden. What Elisha wanted was the power of God that rested upon Elijah to be his when Elijah was taken away. Elisha had already seen so much out of Elijah. He, He had been taught 
He had been under Elijah's training for several years. He had seen God move upon the prophet to perform miracles and deliverances for people. He watched it with his own eyes. He seen and witnessed God's, God answer Elijah's prayer and where fire came out of heaven and it consumed the altar and it consumed the burnt offerings. He seen all that. He witnessed lots of things under this great prophet Elijah. Elijah had already advanced himself as a prophet to where he was preaching and prophesying. He was teaching others about the law. He had become a student of the word. And here he is flowing in this uh, capacity of anointing that he had, but he wasn't satisfied. Let me stop and ask you, with everything that you're doing, with everything that you're achieving, with everything that you're doing in your life right now, are you at a place of satisfaction? Are you wanting more? We got to come to the place where we understand none of us has arrived yet. We are still maturing, we're still developing, and God has more for us than he's ever had before, and I want to be a recipient of everything that God's got for us. Can I have an amen? However, Elisha wasn't satisfied with just being one of the regular prophets. You want to be like everybody else, or you want to be extraordinary? Hello? Do you want the status quo and just be a part of the statistics of the church worldwide, or do you want a church that sits on a rock that's rocking? Are you wanting to just come to church and let's just have our little religious services and everybody gets out at noon and everybody's happy and we scratch each other's back and you scratch my back, I scratch your back, you smile, I smile, we love everybody. Woo, we're just a friendly, happy, good little church. Or do you want the power of God and the Holy Spirit to come into the midst of the congregation and shake us and rattle us till we come into the presence of God and bow our faces to the pavement and recognize him as the Lord of our lives? I don't want the status quo. I don't want the mediocre. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you something. On the day of Pentecost, God rocked that place. And when he rocked that place, it forever changed those disciples. Those same disciples were hiding because of the fear of the Jews. Those same ones that cursed him and denied him a Peter. Those same ones that went and hid themselves and denied that they even knew him. Them same ones, after the power of the Holy Spirit, that bold Peter stood up and he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified to the very ones he was afraid of. 3,000 souls got saved saved in the Bible, give them this testimony later on in the book of Acts, these men turn the world upside down with their doctrine. I'm ready to turn the world upside down and I'm ready to do some rock and rolling. I'm ready to see the haze of God's glory come into the church like never before, amen? I'm ready to see God move and to God bless and to God touch. I'm ready to see it. Now I'm gonna have to hurry I'm just gonna get away from my notes because we got too much teaching there. But Elisha, he's hungry, he's desirable, he's wanting. And let me tell you something, folks. God gives nothing to his church unless they hunger and they desire. They gotta want more than where they're at. This status quo stuff of seeking God in a normal way has got to stop. Getting down every night and praying our prayers and saying them same old repetitious prayers and never getting outside of the realm of what we've already have established within our lives has got to stop. God's wanting us to tread new territory, amen? He doesn't want us to sit on this side of Jordan and get comfortable in our well green pastures and sit down by our well watered plains and have a life of comfort and a life of ease. If you'll go back and understand what took place I'm about to preach right here. Hallelujah. If you'll understand that Elisha said, I don't want to be like everybody, all these other prophets. They sit there in the in the city and they're all comfortable and they got the modern day conveniences and they got the modern day, the modern day comforts. But he said, 
that ain't what I want, even though this thing may be uncomfortable. And Elijah warns him, said, the thing that you have asked of, it's, it is a hardship. It's a hard thing for what you have asked. In other words, he's saying there's going to be a little bit of trial in your life to get it, but it's going to be worth it. You'll be set apart from all of the other prophets. You want to be different? You want to have a mark of identity? You want to make a statement? When you walk in a room, you want people to take notice of who you are? You want your low self-esteem and your depression and your anxiety and all that junk to fall off of your life? Then he said, you get ready. You're going to go through some hardship to get what you're about to get. But it's available and it's receivable if you'll just follow hold and lay hold of me and follow me wherever I go and not let go of me. If you see me depart, it's going to come. Oh, dear God, I'm about to preach here. I want this church to understand, even as Elisha grabbed a hold of the shirt tail of Elijah and wouldn't let him go, we've got to lay a hold of our master high priest, Jesus Christ, and we've got to get close to him and near to him like we've never been before. It may mean writing some altars. It may mean more devotion than we've ever put in. It may mean more prayer and intercessory and supplication and petitioning. It may mean more sacrifice and fasting and hungering and thirsting. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Come near to me, saith the Lord. Draw nigh unto me. I'll draw nigh unto you. It's time that the church understand that you can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit being absent or away from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ presence has to be the priority of your life that you have set on the heart to seek after him with everything within you. Jesus can't be treated sick at best. He can't be treated third and fourth and fifth. Our priorities got to be the house of God. Our priority has got to be the things that Jesus loves. Our heart has to be set upon him. Hallelujah. Woo. I think my code's being burned out of me right now. Hallelujah. We see Elisha so hungry. He comes to three different places. Bethel, Jericho. Hello? And he comes to the different, all three of them different places. And every single time, Elijah tests him. You're going to be tested. Look at somebody say, you're going to be tested. Nothing comes easy. Nothing comes cheap. God cannot give you something unless he can entrust you with it. Amen? There was a violinist. He got done playing his violin. And there was a woman that was so moved in the audience that she came to him and she said, I would give my life to be able to play like you. And he said, well, I have given mine. That's what it takes. And I want to tell you something, folks. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you got to want it like your life depends upon it. There's got to be such a hunger inside of you. I remember when I was a young Christian, they told me this thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't even know what it was, Bob. Had no idea. But I got a hunger. And I wallered them altars. I wore people plumb out. Church would get over at 9 o'clock, 9.30 back in those days, and uh, sometimes 10 o'clock. I'd still be in the altars 12, 12.30, 1 o'clock, one night even up to 2 o'clock in the morning. Everybody was just gathered around me, wore plum out. I was so hungry. There's a bunch of us hungry like that. And I want to tell you, you've got to want the Holy Spirit as if the most important thing of your life in order to be filled. 
It has to consume you. It's, it's like, I got to have it or I'm gonna die. I want this. It's a passion. It is a desire to have a double portion of God for his kingdom. Not for, not for lustful intentions or for self, but you die out to all of that and you want him for who he is. There was a quarterback one time and it was Alabama State University and they, the coach said, look, we got this thing wrapped up. All you got to do is hold the ball, make a couple of downs, run out the clock. We've got it won. Don't throw it. Don't run it. Don't do nothing. When you get the ball, stop the clock. Just take a, knee, take a knee. Run out the clock. And he said, okay. And he gets out there, and this young quarterback who's making a name for himself gets the ball thrown to him, and he's starting to take a knee, and he looks over, and he sees one of his receivers wide open. He just can't resist. He goes against the coach's leading and he throws the ball. And what he did is the other side, one of the fastest men, one of the fastest receivers on the other team intercepted it. This is a true story. And he was running with all of his might to make the winning touchdown against Alabama. The quarterback happened to tackle him before he made it over the, the line and the time was out and Alabama won. The coach of the other team or one of the Members of the other team came to the coach of Alabama and said, how in the world did our receiver, who's known for his great speed, get caught by your quarterback, who's one of the slowest guys on the team and has not got no speed at all? He said, well, your boy was running the race to make a touchdown. My boy was running his race to save his life. <laughs> Amen. And that's how we got to get with this thing called the Holy Spirit. We got to want it. We got to desire it. Folks, I got a lot of good teaching back here and I don't have time. But they would come to the different places, Jericho, and they would come to, to Bethel and on down until literally every single time Elijah said, stay here, son, for God has called me to certain certain place. And Elisha said, not so. Wherever you goeth and wherever as long as my soul liveth, that's where I'm going. Because he said, my blessing's tied with me being close to you. Don't you just want to rub shoulders with people that's got the anointing? It's odd to me how that people want to stand afar off and not receive the anointing for themselves, but when they go through a prayer line, they'll seek out the people that's got the anointing. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you'll look up and you'll see one man's line be 10, 10, 12 feet deep while others ain't got anybody to pray for because one man has the influence or the authority that, hey, I want to go to him. He has results. Do you not know that when we become under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they'll be lined up our door because we have results? They want something real. They want something authentic. They don't want something watered down, conjured up, manufactured. They don't want to be entertained like we think so. Everybody's talking about, oh, well, let's just, you know, let's calm. This is the number one teaching right now in a lot of churches. Right now, I had a man came to me this week, a pastor crying, and he sat down with me, and he said, my church is at a place where my deacons even came to me and said, why don't we start getting them out early? You don't preach so long. And he said, let's just make it a common ground where everybody feels good. Let's give them a little bit of entertainment. And later on, we'll interject Jesus along the way. Is there not something wrong with that? Hello? Am I talking to the palace of praise? And all of a sudden, it was like they're saying that we got to become the seeker-sensitive church. 
that makes for them. When people come in, we don't hurt their feelings. We don't say anything that is negative. We don't say anything that will prick their conscience. We don't want to make them uncomfortable. Don't dare bring conviction upon them. Just love them, and we'll just keep a spirit of love here. We'll embrace them wherever what walk of life they have. We'll never challenge them, and we're just going to make sure that we, we, we petty them and baby them and love them and make them feel comfortable. And if we do, we can have this mega church. Well, if that's what it takes to have a mega church, Pastor Miller will never have a mega church. Because that's not what we're called to do. Amen? We're not called to enable somebody to live in their sin. We're here to confront their sin. Jesus didn't come to bring unity. He came to divide with the spirit. Of, that's what Jesus said himself. You and I have got to come under the umbrella that we understand that when people walk through this door, we're claiming to be Pentecostal. We're claiming to be full gospel. We're paying, claiming to be the palace of praise. And if they come in here and there's not authentic praise, there's not authentic worship, there's not something real in substance, they're going to be let down because people are starving for an authentic church. They're looking for it. Now, i got to hurry, and I'm going to close here, Maybe. Everybody says, I'm the biggest liar when it comes to closing that there is. No, it's just inspiration takes over. My closing's long. I can be long in my closing if I want to. It's my sermon. Hello. And my closing can be in two parts. If the rapture, if the second coming of Christ can be in two parts, my closing can be in two parts. Three, four, whatever I want it to be. I'm the author of it. I'm telling you that Elisha said, I've got to get close to this man. And every single time that he did, he was tested at the different checkpoints. Nope, I'm not leaving you. I'm going to hang on to you. But notice there were 50 other prophets that followed from afar off. Followed the distance, but didn't go the distance. A lot of people that are curious intrigued by the Spirit of God, but they themselves don't want to be recipients of the Spirit of God. They want the effects and the feel that the Spirit of God gives without paying the price to become the recipient of it. And most of those people will be users that when they get in a dilemma, they'll run to the people of God that houses the anointing, but they themselves have had ample opportunity to have the anointing for themselves. Hello? Am I preaching okay, Bill? I hope so. And here we see that these prophets followed a four off. And they watched Elijah. They're eager about seeing other people being filled, but they themselves won't get close enough to get burnt by the fire because they're afraid of something. They're afraid that if they get burnt by the fire, that it's going to take them further than they want to go, and they're going to have to do things they don't want to do, and they're not willing to pay the price of what it takes in order to have it. They don't want the burden of it. I hear people all the time that come into the house of God. I've seen people be in the church for 30 years and when they were young, the Holy Spirit would get on them and they would cry and they would have these great experiences and they would have these great encounters and then as they grow older and as they got more concerned about how they acted in front of a girlfriend and how they acted in front of their friends and how they acted in, in front of the public and how all of a sudden they, they get turned off of Pentecost for some reason if they're not careful. If they don't stay in their devotions and stay close, that which they experience will not lead them through. It's about the relationship that you have that gets you through, not the experience. And that relationship keeps the experience alive. And before long, they're almost ashamed of it. Before long, you know, when the Spirit of God gets to me, they get uncomfortable. And they've been in church their whole lives. And they're sitting there thinking, why do we got to have this when I happen to bring my mom to church and this place exploded? 
I want to tell you, if I bring somebody, I want somebody jumping some pews because I want somebody shouting. I want someone doing something under the anointing of God that they can look up and say, wow, the wonderful works of God. The Bible says that these 50 marveled. As they observed, they were, whoa, wow, look at what's taking place. I'm going to preach the same text next week if the Lord will it. And we're going to get into some different things about what took place when Elijah took a hold of that mantle. But I want to tell you this. These people that followed afar off, they could have had exactly what Elisha had, but they wasn't near when the power fell. You can say whatever you want. When the glory of God gets to moving at the front of the church, it don't always mean he's moving in the back of the church. And sometimes you've got to have enough desire to say, I don't care what grandma thinks. I don't care what brother thinks. I don't care what neighbor thinks. I'm going to the front with the glory. I'm getting under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm not leaving. I'm not going to be denied. I'm going to hang in there. I want that double portion. I don't care what takes place. I don't care if I fall down and shake. I don't care if I have snot running down my nose. I don't care if my makeup's uh, smeared. I don't care if my dress gets wrinkled. I don't care if my wig falls off. I don't give a rip. I'm there to get the presence of God. Nothing's going to deter me. Nothing's going to hinder me. I desire it. I want it. I hunger after it. I got to have it. I'm going to die without it. I got to have the move of the Holy Spirit. The question I got for you, do you want it? Do you want it? Those of you who have it, you want more. You ain't got a monopoly on it. Would you stand with me, please? Oh, 